I'm convinced that one of the greatest lies that we have ever believed was taught to us when we were very young. And it goes something like this, and it's very catchy and cutesy, so you'll understand. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but... Anybody here still believe that? Okay, I just wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page, that it's a real cutesy thought, but words have power. And as I was preparing this, uh, me and Mallory were actually talking. We were talking about one of our favorite authors, Brennan Manning, and she sent me this quote that I love so much. It says, in every encounter, we either give life or we drain it. There is no neutral exchange. In every encounter that we have, we are either giving life or draining it. And as I started thinking about this and thinking about interactions with people, I started thinking about the holiday seasons that are coming up. And there's this thing that happens in the holiday seasons, whether you want it to or not. You're forced to interact with people. Whether you want to or not, you will find yourself interacting with, with family and friends and some acquaintances, some that you want to associate with and some that you may not. But... As we think about our interactions with people, it makes me think about the one thing that Jesus was very adamant about, which is the idea of how we one another one another. That, that we all have that, that other person in our lives that we are going to interact with, that it may be difficult for us to one another with. And, and what I mean by that is, is as you look at John 13, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. Just as I have loved you, love one another. And he goes on and says, by this all people will know you are my disciples, by how you love one another. Not by how frequently you attend church, not by how much money you put in an offering plate, not by how many Bible verses you can post on your social media, by how you one another one another, people will know you are my followers. By how you interact with people. And, and as I, I look at our world today, one of the key ways in which we interact with people seems to be the words that we use. And with that in mind, I want us to look at Proverbs 18.21. And as you may be turning there, I want to remind you that this was written by King Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever live, because when God says, I'll grant you anything you want, he said, I want wisdom. And King Solomon was writing this to his children, recording his insights so that they would have insights to live by. 
And so he, th he felt this was important enough that his kids needed to know it, and therefore I feel like he would probably proclaim, you need to know it as well. But Proverbs 18, verse 21 says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. You could replace tongue with our words, our speech, have the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. And as I think about this idea of the ones who love it, I start to think about our current culture and how we interact and how it has changed over time. Can we agree with that? The way in which we speak with each other has changed. If, if you don't believe me, a couple of decades ago, if you wanted to, to write someone some mail, it meant a whole different thing than typing an email and pressing send. You wrote a letter. You put it in the envelope. You, you put a stamp on it. You put the address on it, and you sent it off. If you wanted to speak with someone, you, you picked up the phone. They were still connected to the wall. Sometimes even had a rotary. And you called somebody to have a conversation. And if you wanted to speak to someone face to face, heaven forbid, you had to go to their house and knock on their door. And actually be present with each other. But we live in a world now where I can just as efficiently send an email, send, shoot a text message, send, post a Facebook post, send, FaceTime somebody real quickly, send. We live in a time where we love words, we love speech more than any other generation. I firmly believe that. That we are consuming more words than any other generation. But sadly, we also think less of the words that we use than ever before. When you are writing someone an actual letter, you really put some thought into that before you put that uh, stamp on the envelope and sent it off. When you're having a conversation with someone face to face, you really think about the words that you're going to use before you say them. But now, it takes so little effort. And even less accountability for the words that we use. As we become keyboard warriors and, and we post things on people's Facebook posts, that, things that we would never have said in person. And why do we do it? Oh, because our opinion needs to be heard. Our opinion matters. I'm going to change their minds. And we post, and we sometimes even use our words behind other people's backs and, talk, and start talking about people instead of having real conversations with people. 
Or one of my, one of my least favorite, but almost, it's, it's become almost comical things that we like to do now, is, is, is we will post Bible verses or these wonderful phrasings of like, oh, this is what Jesus calls us to do. But literally what it is, is it's a backhanded slide at someone else. Saying, look at who I am and look at who they are. Our words are, are, are being put out at a rapid rate, but we are thinking less, being held less accountable. And so, so often, if we're not careful, what happens is we don't feel the weight of our words anymore. And we can start believing that old lie of sticks and stones will break our bones, but my words, they're just words on a page. It's just a post. Who's it going to hurt? Who's it going to harm? But words have weight. We can all agree on that. As a matter of fact, if your memory is a lot like mine, you may not remember what you said five minutes ago. But I would dare say if I asked you to recall something that someone said to you five years, ten years, fifty years ago, you could recall a conversation that either spoke life to you or spoke death to you, that either built you up or tore you down, and it still rings in your brain. Words carry weight. Our text tells us that words have the ability to build up or tear down, to give or to take life. I was reading an article this past week from the Harvard Business Review, so you know it's more intelligent than I am. But in the Harvard Business Review, there was a study on the ratio between positive and negative words between life-giving and life-taking words to see how it affected our productivity, our health, of our work relationships, of our family relationships. And, and, and John Gottman, the, the psychologist that all this kind of hinged on, started off by researching marriages. And, and he said that with a 94% accuracy, he could tell you if a marriage was going to succeed or fail by the ratio with which they spoke life-giving words and life-taking words to one another. And he said the ideal ratio, the ideal ratio for life-giving to life-taking words was five to one. Five times that you would say things that would give life and encouragement and hope and love. One time, now mind you, I want to point this out, it wasn't five to zero because one to, every now and then there is need for negative talk to, to correct, to encourage, all of those things, but it was five to one. I want to ask you a question as you think about five to one. What's the ratio in our current world? Five to one? Three to one? One to one? I mean, I would be honest if I said that I think it's probably closer to about one to three. That we will tear each other down and then we'll throw in this phrase of like, but I love you. We'll, we'll rip you apart and then go, but I'm doing this for your own good. 
and hope that that just soothes everything. And I say one to three, but if you look at Facebook and Twitter and the things that we post, I would dare say that ratio has gotten even more out of whack. That we have become a, a people that have normalized a way of speaking that keeps us from thriving. Because that five to one ratio for marriages is the same ratio that was reflected in a work environment for productivity and for congeniality and the ability to work well with each other. It was the same ratio for parents to children and grandparents to grandchildren and so on and so forth to give them value and self-worth and to know that they are cared for. It's a pretty important ratio. But we've begun speaking in a way and normalizing this way of speaking that, that promotes insecurity over confidence, that, that, that will make us feel more hurt than healing, more regret than fond memories, more division than unity. And I will tell you this, you cannot love one another if you keep living and speaking in this manner. We like to, to hide behind the guise of, oh, well, I'm just telling them the truth because I love them. Did you know that there's a kind way to share the truth even if it's hard to hear? Because I think we can honestly get caught up in the fact that they just need to hear it, but we're not worried about being kind with what we're telling them. We just go at them, beat them over the head with it, and I hope and pray that they know that we love them. Paul has something to say about this too. In the book of Ephesians, in the fourth chapter, verse 29, when he says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Did you catch that? I love how humanistic this text is. Because Paul's honest, he doesn't say, hey, don't think any unwholesome uh, statements against your neighbor. But what he says is, don't let them come out of your mouth. That, that they, may, they may rise up in your heart, but that's something that you need to take to God. But, but when it rises up in your heart, you don't have to say it. You don't have to type it and send it. You don't have to post it. You don't have to go to your neighbor and say, oh, well, let me tell you about so-and-so. But instead, what he says is the things that should come out of your mouth are those things that are helpful for building up others. Socrates is quoted as saying this, when you, before you speak, you should ask yourself three questions. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? If you can answer yes to all three of those, then by all means. 
But so often, we just stop at the first two. Is it true? Is it necessary? And we, we throw the kindness part out the window. We've, we've lost that art. And I think the idea of being able to speak hard truth with kindness was one of those wonderful abilities that Jesus Christ had. Go look through the scriptures. How frequently does Jesus essentially just tell somebody that they're terrible and that they need to repent and do better, but does so in such a loving and kind way that they're able to receive it? But this all goes back to that idea that we are able to send and speak more words than ever before with less accountability. So what do we do? We just put it all out there and we let it fall where it may. I love the fact that as, as Paul says, don't let them come out, it's not that idea that they won't pop up in your brain. But what he's telling you is that you must actively... This is that part of Christian maturity that you must actively start to weigh those things that hit your brain that, get, that are being put on your heart and say, wait a minute, God, is this of you or is this of the devil or is this of me? And actively push them down. Push them out of our lives for that which is constructive. And just as you must actively restrain yourself at times, sometimes we must understand that people are hurting. And as the old phrase says, too often hurting people hurt people. And I think that's because we don't start to stop and think about the words that we are speaking to one another. And just as actively as we need to suppress those negative talk about one another, those life-taking words that we want to speak, we need to actively pursue ways in which we can speak life into our neighbors and into those people that we encounter. I also love the fact that at the end of it, Paul reminds us of something so, so evident. And I by no means am going to stand up here and say freedom of speech is not important. I am going to say that sometimes we have taken it and we have abused it to attack and to hurt our neighbors. Because freedom of speech is absolutely a freedom that Jesus desires for us to have. But notice what is said in the scriptures. The freedom that we are given is not for you to just go and say whatever it is that you want to say. Because as Paul says, the freedom is given so that we can speak what is helpful for building up one another according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Your speech, while a gift, while a freedom, is given to you that you could be a gift to other people. Have we ever thought about our speech that way? Or do we just approach it as, this is my gift to do with it whatever I want to do? Five to one. Five to one is the ratio, the ideal ratio for people to know that they are cared for and loved for to 
to have a marriage that is built on love and grace and mercy that will stand the test of time. Five to one is the ratio to have a workplace relationship where people can work together in community and feel validated in their interactions with their co-workers. Five to one is the ratio for children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren to know that they have self-worth and value in this world. Now, what's your ratio? What is the ratio of your speech to other people? Whether it be posts or emails, conversations had behind closed doors with someone else about someone else. What is your ratio of life-giving to life-taking conversations that you have? And as we've heard this morning, it's not just a command from Jesus to love one another, but as we've heard from the Harvard Business Review, it's also something that, can, that when we live it out in our current world is good and healthy for us as individuals in the here and now. So heaven forbid, maybe Jesus knew what he was talking about when he told us to mind our tongues. What's your ratio? I pray it's five to one. If I'm honest with myself, mine's far from it. So the question that we must ask, if our ratio is not where it needs to be, is how can we fix it? How can we adjust it? Where are those things that we've spoken that may could have been left unsaid? Or better yet, where are those things that we didn't speak that maybe we should have said to let someone else know how much they meant? Last Sunday, as we celebrated All Saints, I pointed out that it was a time to remember those that had gone on to glory, but I also encouraged you to interact with those people, those saints in your life that had shaped you into who you are today. Pick up a phone, to type an email, to write a letter, to go to their house. I'm not trying to guilt anybody into anything, but I would just be curious as to how many of us actually did so. To take the opportunity to speak goodness and life and light into the darkness. What is your ratio? Could it be better? If so, how do you plan to fix it? Amen?